Ari Rosenbaum here with another episode of that 401k podcast. This week's topic, we're going to talk about uh, how great retirement plans don't happen by accident. Of course, first things first, before you know we get to the topic, we talk about the events that are coming up. Uh, on Monday, May the 10th, that 401k virtual bunch will have a very special episode. Uh, unlike the very special episodes of uh, Silver Spoons or uh, Different Strokes or Facts of Life, uh, we're just going to have a, a special guest, Congressman Jamie Raskin, a Democrat from Maryland. Uh, we only have him for a half hour, uh, 4 p.m. Eastern. Uh, because it's only a half hour, we are going to turn it into a webinar setting. So I, I will be the only one asking questions. Um, uh, I've known Congressman Raskin for many years. He was the assistant dean when I was at law school. So it's going to be a fun conversation with him. Um, we'll talk about, you know, stuff that happened in law school 25 years ago, but of course what happened, uh, what's going on in politics right now, uh, Congressman Raskin was supposed to be part of that 4K national virtual conference back in January, but there was this little thing called the impeachment and he was one of those house impeachment managers. And so therefore, uh, you know, he had to cancel. Um, and on top of that, on May 22nd, I believe, uh, we are going to have um, Scott Tanker uh, as a special guest. Um, and uh, I think it's the May 20th, 17th, or I think it's May 20th or, or whatnot. I have to look at the date. Um, that would be. Uh, Scott Tanker, he would be a special guest of that 4K virtual bunch. Uh, good friend of mine, known him for a very, very long time. So it's a, it's a great event, um, and we hope that you could uh, be a part of that one as well. It's 4 p.m. Eastern. Uh, we'll probably be scheduling more virtual events, uh, more virtual bunches uh, as we further get along in the year. But uh, of course, we have that 4K national virtual conference in January. People are signing up. People are sponsoring. We appreciate all the help. Uh, go to that 4ksite.com for further information on how you can be part of that event, as well as the live events that are happening in September uh, that we're bringing back, hopefully. Um, September 10th, we'll be in St. Louis, Missouri at Bush Stadium. September 24th, we'll be at Target Field in Minneapolis. And September 29th, we will be in Houston uh, at Minute Maid Park. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we will. We'll see. Um, uh, by the time you hear this, it'll be two weeks since my vaccination, and hopefully as the mask mandates for outside are, are, are loosening and whatnot, hopefully we can come back uh, to somewhat normal. Um, I was planning a networking event at City Field in July, and I'm going to fight with the Mets about rescheduling that one, because even now uh, in New York, in, in, you know, setting up for May, there's only like a 33% um, uh, venue uh, seating. So we'll see what happens, but I'm confident by September, which is, you know, almost five months away, uh, four months and change, uh, we should be having, um, uh, we should be having some live events. And then we'll talk about, um, I, I think what's going to happen is we're going to have three in September, uh, and hopefully we can recover from that, uh, especially my sponsors who speak and, and whatnot. And then we'll probably have an event in December at Las Vegas, um, there are two possibilities for the venue. Um, well, we tried to do it for 2020. Uh, we we're going to have it at the Las Vegas Ballpark, which is in Summerlin, uh, Nevada. 
and uh, we'll see how it goes. Uh, I'm thinking maybe the T-Mobile Arena. I, I don't know, but we're going to try something interesting or whatnot. So um, should be fun. Uh, I think Vegas certainly will happen in December, but we'll see what happens. Listen, I, I still think that uh, back last March, I thought, ah, you know, we'll, we'll close down the country for a few weeks and six weeks by May, it'll be all over. And here we are a year and change later. So anyway, let's get back to this week's topic. Um, I I don't believe in fate. Um, you know, it, it goes back to the Terminator 2 situation. Fate is what we make of it. Um, you know, in... in um, in Judaism, well, not Judaism, but there's that um, Yiddish term called beshert, like somebody's supposed to be your beshert, you know, or something's supposed to be beshert. Uh, you know, when um, when they talk about, you know, your beshert, it could be, uh, you know, your your bride or, or obviously spouse that it was meant to be. Uh, and, uh, you know, they could also talk about events, you know, this was meant to be. Um I don't believe in fate. I don't believe um, things just happen. Uh, I think that um, maybe things happen for a reason. Uh, some bad news, I, I, I guess. But these are all sayings. And I think that when it comes to a plant sponsor, uh, having a great retirement plan, it doesn't happen by accident. Meaning that um, it doesn't, every, not everything falls into place. Um, you know, there's always, you always have the idea, well, you know, it's all about luck. Um, I, I don't believe in that. I just think that things happen, uh, for, you know, uh, people's decisions put things in motion. And so a great retirement plan can't happen by accident. It really takes a vigilant sponsor. Uh, and I would say that that's the one trait of all good retirement plans. It really is a, a plan sponsor that's on the ball um, because a plan sponsor who is on the ball is hiring good plan providers. And, you know, hiring good plan providers is really the essential part of having a great retirement plan. You know, it's impossible that a vigilant plan sponsor hiring bad providers is going to have a good retirement plan. It doesn't really work that way. And hiring... Good plan providers, again, not something that happens by accident. Um, more often than not, you know, uh, here's a funny story. Um, my mother, um, when it came time to medical help, um, would always go to whoever was closest. Uh, and I'm quite the opposite. I will go to who is best. So I will travel far, not far and wide, but I will go to a specialist, you know, so, um, I have an issue, um, with sleep apnea, uh, and I had a problem with allergies and I had a problem with my nose, uh, that it's blocking. Um, so I went to, you know, good doctors that, you know, are 15, 20 minutes away. I find the local, you know, ENT specialist. I went to a practice that I've been using for quite some time and have had quite good luck there we go. Not good luck, but good experiences with a lot of doctors in the practice. My allergies are really fine, thanks to the allergist. Met the surgical ENT. There was a, uh, I have a deviated septum. I had a uh, uh, blockage in my nose, and that obviously would impact sleep apnea. 
Um, had the surgery, went to a sleep dentist and got a mouthpiece because uh, I'm a big baby and, and I couldn't use the um, CPAP machine. As it turns out, uh, we discover finally that one of the reasons I have sleep apnea is because when I went to the orthodontist, uh, I don't know, you know, we went to the orthodontist that literally was around the block from my house. A, I look at how my kids' teeth are with orthodontists. I, you know, again, I went to the orthodontist that my dentist recommended. And again, that's a dentist that's not in my area. That's, you know, guys, guys like 10 minutes away. Big Mets fan, Dr. Kleinrock. With my kids' orthodontists, they had the same problem that I had, which was a small jaw, not enough room to um, fit all the teeth. Um, my kids had uh, palate expanders, which expanded their mouth and allowed to keep them the bulk of their teeth. My daughter was able to keep four of her teeth that might have been removed. My son was able to keep three out of the four teeth that were a problem. My mother took me to the doctor uh, around the orthodontist around the corner didn't do a palate expander so as a result I have sleep apnea because my mouth uh, uh, had my mouth been expanded it was a whole to do but the whole point here is that you know finding a good doctor and finding good plan providers don't really happen by accident more often than not if you just go to the local place you're not going to get the best in care and it's important to go out and seek out the best providers whether it's a dentist an orthodontist or a retirement plan provider and um i i just think that again this isn't something that really happens by accident um you know uh, you know, and it's the most important thing. And obviously, certain things about a plan are irrelevant as to whether they're good or not. You know, there are a lot of poorly managed large plans uh, out there. We see that through the litigation. Um, you know, uh, Jerry Schlichter has a very nice living as a result of suing poorly run uh, large 401k plans. And there are certain areas uh, in business that you would assume have great plans. Um, you would think, oh, you know, lawyers are pretty smart people and doctors are pretty smart people. And I want to let you know on a secret here, if you don't know, some of the most poorly run plans are doctor plans and uh, lawyer plans. And quite honestly, they I find them to be the most difficult clients. Uh, so a vigilant plan sponsor doesn't really need to have an advanced degree. They really just need to understand um, you know, the fiduciary responsibilities out there and prudently exercising that duty will spare them from a lot of headaches. Um, obviously, um, it's all about vigilance. Um, you know, obviously, larger plans get sued, smaller plans do not. That doesn't mean smaller plans are run perfectly, quite the opposite. Uh, so, you know, really when it comes down to it, size and sophistication um, of the plan sponsor aren't as important as plan sponsors who understand their fiduciary responsibility and taking it seriously. And again, you know, good plan providers, you know, are an essential part of a, a good plan. Um, you know, the good plan provider is certainly going to make a lot less mistakes than a bad provider. 
uh, especially on the TPA side. Uh, you know, a big part of my practice is fixing the errors that TPAs make. Some can be very, very minor, uh, the mistakes TPAs make. Some can be catastrophic. Um, good TPAs do make mistakes, but when they do make mistakes, they're very small mistakes, and they'll, they'll fess up to it. Uh, unfortunately, with bad providers, they don't fess up to it because they usually at the time they don't recognize it, and it's only recognized once it's brought to the surface by a new TPA or on a plan audit. And I really believe that who a plan sponsor hires as a plan provider uh, is going to determine how well the plan is taken care of. Uh, you know, a plan sponsor certainly needs to hire good plan providers because ultimately the buck stops with the plan sponsor. You always hear all the time, plan sponsor says, you know what, I had this TPA and uh, I thought they were great and they betrayed me and I got to an answer for this, you know, DOL audit or IRS audit or whatever it may be. And, you know, it, it's, it's great to... You know, feel bad for these people, but you know they hired these bad providers to begin with. You know, when I always had that client who was sued for millions, and millions of dollars of because the actuary didn't do their work. Um, you know, ultimately that you know plan sponsor didn't review the plan provider for 25 years and to make sure that they were actually doing their job. Um, you know, a good TPA obviously was going to keep a plan in compliance with you know reporting and record keeping. And a good financial advisor is going to make frequent appearances to advise the changes of the plan in the investment marketplace. And, you know, there are still advisors out there who collect the fee and don't service the plan. Um, I, will never, uh, I will never forget the uh, years ago reviewing, a, again, a, this was a medical practice plan. I think they were eye doctors. And um, they had a broker who never showed up and was getting 60 bips. On a fourteen million dollar plan, told them you're getting ripped off, and uh, they found a three thirty eight provider uh, at only twenty five bips who was going to do their job. So um, it's just really important to understand. Uh, yeah, even auditors. There's some great auditors, and there's quite a few bad auditors when the plan's audit eligible. So it's very uh, important for plan sponsors to hire quality uh, plan providers. Another thing um, I really think that is um, plan sponsors really need to avoid what I call our underhanded deals. I live in a village, Oceanside, which it's so, you know, riddled with, you know, I would say call it outright corruption, but it's all about, you know, who they know and giving jobs to their friends and whatnot. So when I say underhanded deals when it comes to retirement plans, I think that plan sponsors should be using the assets of their plan as leverage to make self-dealing transactions or to curry favor. Um, so, you know, so often you'd hear uh, a plan sponsor making a deal with a certain provider because, you know, that's, a per you know, like, for example, hiring the TPA that the bank owns because that bank has your um, line of credit. Uh, and moving that, kicking that business to them is a good thing for your uh, line of credit. I mean, stuff like that should be avoided at all costs, but unfortunately, so many plan sponsors do it. Um, we know that plan sponsors can't borrow from the plan or use plan assets for their own personal gains, such as, you know, buying a building for themselves. But that's really also true, in my opinion, of hiring plan providers. I think that hiring plan providers should be done through a fair and proper process. Um, you can't rig uh, the competition, rig the bidding process like they do out here by where I live. Um, 
it's important that um, nothing nothing looks bad, you know. So again, I will have people in my village say it's not wrong for the school board member to have their to give a job to their wife uh, as a typist or to give uh, a child a job as a teacher. I think that anything that looks bad is bad because it, you know, any type of, you know, deal, uh, deals have to look beyond reproach. They need to be transparent. They need to look clear. They need to suggest that nothing happened bad, uh, that it was not done, you know, uh, improperly and whatnot. And I think that when you hire your kids, um, you know, for positions in the schools, uh, and you remember the school board, uh, the problem is, is um, the school officials can't, uh, you know, criticize or disparage the work of the child of a school board member, uh, not if they want to remain in the schools. And I think it's important that, uh, you know, plant sponsors realize that the plan's there for their employees and not for themselves and not to curry favor and try to use the plant assets in anything that looks improper, whether it is or isn't. Again, if it looks improper, uh, it suggests to people that something bad is being done, uh, just like it, you know, have we have out here by where I live. Um, I think it's also, uh, you know, important for a plan sponsor to inform plan participants. Uh, you know, information is knowledge, and the more information that someone gets, the smarter they become. Um, I always joke that sometimes I'm always the last person to know anything. Uh, and I think that that was a problem when I was working for somebody else. Um, except uh, Harvey was, was kind enough to tell me that uh, uh, the TPA business that I was you know, working with uh, was going to announce that they were selling off their business. He, he gave me three days advance notice uh, as opposed to other people who got no advance notice. I don't know what that weekend would have helped me, but at least I knew before some other people. Um, but, you know, the plan participants, when it comes to retirement plan, can't be the last ones to know anything. Um, you know, when you have participant-directed accounts, ERISA 404C requires plan participants to have enough information to make informed investment decisions. Um, and I think that, you know, plan sponsors have this misnomer about ERISA 404C, um. It is important to provide enough information uh, because if you provide no information to plan participants, they lose in their accounts. Plan sponsors are liable for those losses. And ERISA 404C um, does say you got to give them information. And so when Pat uh, didn't review funds for 10 years uh, under my law firm's 401k plan and tried to give us morning pro profile, morning side profiles and some sort of investment education, that wasn't going to fly if a participant would sue uh, the plan. So it's important that plan participants get all the required ERISA notices, as well as enough investment information, at, you know, enrollment meetings and plan education meetings, so they can, uh, you know, the plan sponsor could get liability protection on the ERISA 404C. And it's all about a process. The more a plan sponsor partakes in the process, the more liability protection they're going to get. And um, last but not least, uh, constant review. You know, 
it's not one of those things where you just do it once and you never do it again. I mean, I wish that was the case. I mean, right now, I just weighed myself this morning and I'm below 150 pounds again. So for those who don't know, five years ago, I was about 185, 190 pounds, which is the heaviest I ever was. Um, and as a result, I, uh, you know, I had a fatty liver. I was pre-diabetic. My cholesterol was over 200. And about two and a half years ago, uh, I finally had enough um, and lost 40 some odd pounds. So I was down to 144, 145. Um, just had another checkup. Uh, cholesterol is down to like 155, and I'm not pre-diabetic in my fatty liver. I don't have that anymore. But you know, over COVID, you know, you're in the house, your kids are at home, you tend to eat more, and I was even eating the low-carb bagels every day, which is almost just as bad as the full uh, bagels that made me pre-diabetic. And I lost, and I gained about 15, 20 pounds over the uh, pandemic. Um, last couple of months, I decided, let me fix that. And, you know, I'm down uh, 10, 11 um, pounds down to, well, actually, I'm sorry, probably down almost 15 to like 19 pounds. I'm down to under 150, probably have enough five to eight pounds left to go. But the whole point is not to brag, but the whole point is that dieting, is constant. You know, you when you've been heavy and you've lost weight, it's a constant battle. Weight is a constant battle for most of us. And the same thing is with a plan sponsor in reviewing. It's constant. It's not one time and let's forget about it. It's constant. And, you know, my grandmother, who I always talk about, you know, she lived a very remarkable life in, in my mind in, in terms of surviving the Holocaust. And one thing she always said to me that was very, very clear, and I always follow that, is life doesn't go to plan. Uh, meaning that, you know, in your idea, you have it as to what your life is going to be, and it never does go to plan. There are always going to be changes along the way. And, um, you know, when a plan sponsor sets up a retirement plan, they did it at a certain time and a certain place uh, in their business's history. But, you know, we know that times change, uh, situations change. Uh, and as a result, you know, when I had a client who had a, deep, a defined benefit plan when they had six employees, it didn't work well, very well when they had 12 employees. So it's really important that a plan sponsor reviews their plan, uh, see if it still fits their needs, and to make sure that the plan provider still fit their needs. You know, when the plan had five people, it might have been great then. Now that they have 100 people, it may not work anymore, especially if there's testing issues or whatnot. And, you know, circumstances certainly could change that would require a plan to, you know, have a need to service their plan to see if it still fits. And I think it's important that, uh, you know, they're constantly reviewing the plan. Um, maybe there are investments that um, the plan's enough size where the investments are cheaper because they're using a different type of share class or whatever it may be. It's important that uh, plan uh, sponsors are always going uh, and always constantly uh, reviewing their situation and to see if um, their plan still fits their needs. So hope you enjoyed this episode of that 401k podcast as I always enjoy talking to you guys. So hopefully you'll come uh, again next week. And of course, go to that 401 site.com for further information about all our live events. Thanks.